Hello and welcome to Just Bugs, an appreciation podcast for those oft-ousted creatures we humans call bugs, despite their official classifications. I'm your host, Savannah, and today I have my co-host, Matt, with me. We did it. Third <laughs> time's the charm. <laughs> Don't tell them! <laughs> we have a lot of chaotic energy today. It's good stuff. We're good very stuff. hyper. <laughs> So today we're going to tell you about dragonflies, specifically darners and hawkers. Darn. Okay, er. great. Stop that. <laughs> I did that joke earlier. <laughs> so bad. All right. So the scientific classification. It's in the Ashnidae. That might be right. We're going to go with it. Ashnidae. That's probably better. Ashnidae. Sure. That's the family group. And that's important because it's a specific family in like the overarching umbrella of dragonflies. I see. Yes. Yes. So that family includes darners or hawkers. So I think the name might be like interchangeable. I couldn't find any very specific details, but I also couldn't think, find anything that said that like this is a darner and this is a hawker and they're very, very different. So yeah. they could be different. They could be the same. I tried really hard, guys. <laughs> And then uh, I think it's like Ashnitz, and I think that's just like the same thing with a different name. Uh, but the genus is Aishna. Or, yeah. 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 Aishna. That's what we're going with. Aishna. <laughs> I'm going to help you pronounce them nicely. I like it. This is a new, new addition to the podcast. Matt describes the words better than me. <laughs> like as if he hit the pronounce button on google that's such a it's sometimes so pleasing and sometimes very like in your face Aishna. <laughs> the order is otonta otonta <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh and that's like dragonflies and damselflies that's that overarching umbrella that i was talking about so does in it have the, three dots in the middle <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Um, anyway, there are, <clears throat> there are 450 species in the Ashnidae family. They are insects. Dragonflies are insects. I'm not surprised, I guess. This makes sense. I didn't know what else they would be. Right. They've got the six legs. They just are very long. Yeah, very they long are very insects. long. So size. Most in this family are between 65 to 85 millimeters, which is like 6.5 centimeters to 8.5 centimeters or two and a half to three and a half inches. It's pretty big yeah. for a bug, I mean. Even bigger, the largest of this family, the giant Hawaiian darner, is 152 millimeters for the wingspan, that's six inches, or 116 millimeters in length, so like face to the back of their abdomen. How, how long was that? Four and a half inches. That's pretty good. I mean, if you caught one, you could put like a tiny action figure on it and it could ride it for sure. Yeah. I mean, they've got pretty powerful wings, so maybe. That'd be pretty sweet. It'd be pretty cool. I would like it. I don't <laughs> think it would like it very much, but I would like it. We can make it like a cool like strap backpack with a string on it and you can hold it while it's flying around. I like it. Yeah, but I don't think you'd be able to catch them just because they've got these huge eyes. I'm very sneaky. Well, I still don't think you could do it because they've got two very large dorsal, so like on the side of them, hemispheric, which means half sphere, compound eyes. That was a lot of words, but basically what I'm saying is on the side of their head, there are two very large compound eyes. That gives them the ability to see in a 360 degree radius, so you can't sneak up on them. Like a 360 camera has a a lens on both sides and they both encompass 180 degrees so together they can see everything so it's kind of like that 
Yeah, I guess. I didn't know that existed, but heck yeah, that's the thing. You never seen a 360 camera? Uh, not at all. Oh, very cool. It sounds cool. But yeah, so they got 360 camera eyes. Very good. But compound, so like thousands of lenses. Oh, it's way better. <laughs> so what do they look like? I mean, I describe how big they are. They have different color schemes. They can be blue or green or sometimes like a reddish brown color or black. And on those colors, there's additional colors like spots and stripes of paler colors. So like occasionally yellow or like a pale blue. Yeah, the picture you gave me here is like mostly black with some yellow stripes on the... Thorax? Thorax, yes. <laughs> and then uh, blue blobs on the long butt. <laughs> Blobs. Yeah, on the long butt. Yeah. The abdomen, yes. The long butt. On the long butt. Yeah, that's that is what that is. So that that's gonna be pretty common for different hawker and darner species. They'll have little dots and stripes and such. Uh, but they will be different colors in different species. So the one that you're looking at, I believe, is the blue spotted hawker, and that's got those pale yellow stripes, sometimes off-white stripes on either side of the, the thorax, and then the baby blue dots at the base of the wings and then along the thorax like you described. I will say, though, that the females are very pale and their their coloration is sort of like a, a browner color, like a light brown. And they have stripes as well, but they're almost like a white color. And that's pretty, um, pretty much the same for all the species. They're all going to be the females less colorful and more pale. And that's pretty common in... You lots know, of species. Lots of species that the, the, ma the males are more extravagant looking. Yeah, indeed. Agreed. I don't know what that is, but, you know, good for y'all. You don't know what extravagant means? <laughs> no, I know what extravagant <laughs> means. You shush your face. <laughs> oh, I didn't mention there is a larger species than the species of the darner and hawker, the giant Hawaiian darner. And I wanted to say it because it's not that much bigger and it's very impressive. The, the dragonfly is not in this family, but it's the giant petal tail from northeastern Australia. And its wingspan is six and a half inches, and then the body length is like four, almost five inches. So like, still much bigger. Okay, now we're talking action figure size. <laughs> yes. Like, we definitely G.I. Joe can ride this one. Yes, for sure. But despite that one not being in this family, the family that we're talking about does have some of the largest dragonflies. A lot of them in like the top, you know, top 10 range, you know? Mm -hmm. Good, good stuff. Just back to where we were then. Okay, so the thorax. You had mentioned it. It's kind of like a, I don't know what you would call that, like a like a teardrop shape. And then the... It looks segmented. Sure. Yes. And then the abdomen is very long and skinny. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The abdomen looks segmented. It does. I'm not sure if that's patterns or if it's actual segments. Yeah. It's kind of hard to tell from here. Yeah. it's hard. I think because they just keep their abdomen so straight all the time. Mm. Could be... So we talked about the eyes, but we didn't talk about all of their eyes. So they do have three simple eyes that are arranged on the top of their head that point towards the sky, kind of like a bee. That's fascinating. Yeah, I would never have thought that they have like extra eyes to sense the sky. Like that would be pretty useful if we had something like that, I feel like. I don't know what you'd use it for, but like it seems sense good. light. It's for sensing light. It's just staring at the sun all day like, ow. <laughs> Need like triple sunglasses with three lenses on top of your head. That'd be very Or odd. just a hat, I guess. Yeah, a hat would be good. <laughs> <laughs> but that would defeat the purpose, I suppose. Yeah. Hat with holes. So yeah, these ones, they only see light. The other eyes, the compound eyes, they can see everything else and they see in that 360 view. They, I wanted to mention, because I don't know if I've ever mentioned this about compound eyes. When a compound eye see things, 
they see it right side up, like right immediately. That is different than us. Humans, when we see something, the lens in our eye projects onto our retina in the backside upside down and our brain has to think our way out of it into an upright position. Okay, so that's why we have maybe longer processing time than other creatures maybe with our eyes, maybe than bugs. Possibly. I, I could not tell you how long it takes us to process, but definitely when we see something, it's upside down in our eye and then our brain flips it. Yeah, like like an old projector does that too. They do like the initial image is like upside down and backwards. Wow. And then it like flips it all around whenever it comes out of the projector. That's crazy. I don't know why it needs to be that way, but it is such. Okay. Yeah. So that's like <laughs> what our eyes are doing. But the bug's eyes, not doing that. They are seeing it the right way immediately. So much more efficient. Yeah. That's what I was trying to get at initially. <laughs> that's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> So their mouth, they've got a mouth. It is very interesting. It has very sharp, pointy, curved bits, mandibles, if you will, that sit on either side of it. And it looks terrifying. <laughs> it kind of looks like, what would this look like? Sorry, I'm doing a hand motion with my hands. It's like um, like this, like, sh like a shredder, maybe? Yes. Okay, so it's like got shredder Like a paper shredder, shredder. yes. Yeah, very long, sharp, shredder vibes. Not something I would like to come in contact with at like my size, but very interesting for sure. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they've got four large wings as you, as when you typically think of a dragonfly, you think of the giant eyes and then the four very large wings. And those sit at horizontal at all times. And they can be identified in this family because they have an elongated triangle shape on the wing pattern. So, like, that's very specific to the Ashenvay family. Oh, yeah. I can see that in this. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's definitely, like you said, the wings and the eyes are, like, mostly what you're thinking about when you see them. Yeah, for sure. And they're and always the just body. chill. You know, they're always just chilling by the water. They're, like, one of the one of the few bugs that I see. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? Instead of, like, ah! you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Not sure why I give them this. Uh, you know, they give me comfort, but for some reason, well, these just, do. They're really pretty. They're not going to hurt you. They don't move. Well, they, like, they don't fly straight towards you also. No. And they kind of like, they hover and then they move around and they hover again. And they're just kind of there. Yeah. They're not like, they don't give off like they're out to get me or something. No, they certainly are not. They are out to get you if you are a, an insect or some other thing that they eat. That would be terrifying. But you're not Yeah, like a human. giant one. Oh, oh my, my goodness. gosh. Let's not get into it. That's terrifying. <laughs> you just hear it coming from like a mile away. Ah! <laughs> So those wings are important because they're very powerful. They spend most of their lives flying. As you mentioned, they can hover, but they can also fly backwards and forwards. And their wings are, are very strong because they do that, because they can have all those different motions that they do and because they spend almost their entire life flying. It's important for them to have very powerful wings. Yeah, that makes sense. Indeed. So they don't have any anatomical defenses per se, Basically, their best def defense is going to be to fly away very quickly. They have a very high fly speed, which is, in some species of this family, up to three, 36 miles per hour. That's insane. I yeah. mean, that's like twice as fast as we can run or... The very fastest of yeah, us, the maybe. Fastest I don't even know. Even. How fast can a person run? I thought, I it, was thought like it was like five. 16, but it was Possibly. like at max for like very short distance. Yeah, so this is like not 
like they they can do double that for long periods of time. That's insane. Yes. Yes, indeed. It's quite, quite interesting. So once they fly away very quickly, they will go hide from predators and like high grasses or other plants that could disguise them. Yeah, they're always by high grass. That's for sure. They do live most of their life in high grasses. Like they live in lakey areas, like swamps, marshes, lakes, etc. Because most of their like life cycle as an adult is around mating, which has a lot to do with water, as you'll see later. Gross. And yes, that's always seems to be the focus. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's more to life. <laughs> <laughs> Not to dragonflies. Okay. So... They're found nearly worldwide because they're a family that's not saying too much, but they're pretty common. There are 41 species in North America. I said that because we live in North America, but everything else lives elsewhere. Yeah, so. how many in Antarctica? Probably none. <laughs> <laughs> so they can actually deal with colder temperatures than some other dragonfly families. Just a cool note. I don't think they particularly like cold weather when we're talking like extremes, because most insects don't. So that would make sense. Yeah, they're like us, they're a little picky. They yeah. They like it, like it uh, pretty warm and <laughs> mostly wet at some degree. Some of them, yeah. I don't, yeah, I mean, for this one, it's more just like, when we're talking about an insect, most of them are ectotherms or different variations that have to do with only parts of their body being able to thermoregulate or having to thermoregulate due to behaviors. So like cold weather is tough for an insect, just in general. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So their food source. We did mention that if you're an insect, you don't really wanna, you know, mess around with these. That's because they eat insects. They do eat butterflies, beetles, and bees. They also will eat any other flying insect. I like all those guys. I know. They're butterflies, all really beetles, good. and bees. Those are all on my short list of okay bugs. <laughs> <laughs> they probably also eat like mosquitoes and other flying bugs. Okay, that's better. Yeah, so they eat flies probably. Okay, that's yeah, good too. See? That's fine. They got them all. They're just okay. not picky. That's all it is. Okay. You, yeah. just, you just mentioned some three heart th heartthrobs in a row, you know? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, hopefully, we're just going to pretend like they mostly eat flies. So they will chase their prey for long distances. That is because they have that power and they can outfly most insects. Mm. So when they're going to catch a small prey, they'll, they'll open their mouth and catch them in their mouth in flight with their crazy shredder mouth bits. That's crazy. Like they just like... Zhoom. Just yeah, like pick just, it up. Ah, just with like a pelican, but like with a much oh, yeah, smaller like mouth. like a pelican. I was trying to think of what does that. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> <laughs> but with larger prey, they do something much more interesting. So, you know, when a rat, like a raptor, okay, a raptor, that's, that's something I understand <laughs> to be a, a bird that eats prey. So when a bird of prey comes to get something on the ground, they swoop in with their talons extended and then they snatch down on it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So the dragonflies do something super similar. They take all four, nope, six, all six of their legs and they will fly super fast and snatch the bug out of their out of the air with their legs. Isn't that crazy? And then they land somewhere and they eat it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Basket. I didn't, yeah, basket, huh? I don't know of any other bugs we've covered that do anything like so that. So far, I don't believe we've covered any. No basket, uh, basket bugs. Basket eaters. Anyway. Yeah, basket eaters. <laughs> so reproduction. Your favorite part. Matt's least favorite part. It's fine. <laughs> males, males of this species, or dragonflies in general, really, they're really territorial. They will constantly 
back and forth fly through their territories just to like guard it and make sure nobody's coming into their space. And when someone dies, they chase them off. They're like, get out of here. This reminds me a lot of birds. I feel like birds do that a lot. Are these bugs related to birds kind of? I think probably not, but I think that they have adapted a lot of the same habits. So that's good. Maybe that's it. I think that that's similar. They're similar to birds. They're large and they eat insects. So it makes sense. They got talons and they are territorial. They they don't have talons. And they reproduce and they have wings. Okay. And they're blue sometimes. Sure. It's a bit of a stretch. (laughs) They have eyes. (laughs) They have a butt. Oh my gosh. (laughs) There's more, I think. They're alive. Yeah, there's plenty, I'm sure. <laughs> they yeah, lay maybe. eggs. You know what, guys? Oh, no, I guess we have to take these off the list. They're probably birds. <laughs> Can't I'm, talk I'm, about I'm them. I'm feeling they're birds, man. <laughs> I think I'm going to vote bird. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so these birds, um, <laughs> once they've located a mate, the male will do something... Okay, I'm going to get a little graphic here. I'm going to be really honest with you guys. Just straight up. Just PG wording, please, for me. I will indeed. And if you really hate this part, you can always, you know, scrub forward like 15 seconds or something. But when the male is ready to, you know, mate with the partner, he will do something first where he transfers his reproductive materials from the tip of his abdomen to a secondary organ called the hamulus, which is just a secondary organ that's located um, on the abdomen, but like very close to the thorax on the underside. Ah. Yes, indeed. So the male will secure himself after this, after he's gotten that all situated and ready, he will secure himself to the female with a special clasper. That clasper is at the end of his abdomen, and it's just like a little... Like a, like a weird little hand guy. Mm. And he attaches it to the back of her head and like really gets it in there. Like she's not going anywhere. Ow. I don't think it hurts. I mean, we're going to pretend like it okay, doesn't. Okay, just grabbing. Okay. Yeah, just grabbing. A little hair pulling. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can say that. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then after he's attached, he will stay attached to her until the mating is over. In this exact position. It's called being in tandem. So there, you learned a thing. So now... Once they're attached, the female will turn her abdomen up to attach to his hamulus. So she kind of curves her bottom up and into that little area. Mm-hmm. Very cool. It actually looks kind of like a, a like a wheel or like a heart. And they do this all, like once they've landed. So they will land and then she'll swing up and then they'll transfer the materials necessary for mating. Okay, it's not so bad. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Life! so yes that is when the fertilization occurs and depending on the species the eggs will be laid in tandem so the male will stay like attached to her and they'll kind of just like swing down her abdomen into like a lake where there's some kind of plant and she will lay her eggs on it or in most species of hawkers and donners Darners, mm-hmm. <laughs> the female will detach and go do her thing in solitude just because it's safer for her. They will lay eggs in multiple locations, which just increases the success of their eggs hatching. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you can't, you know, put all your eggs in one basket or anything. <laughs> right. Well, you know, if you put them all in the same <laughs> spot and then, you know, something happens to that plant, that's that's not good, right? Exactly, so, exactly. So sit in some some good hiding holes or whatever and then, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, Hope for, for sure. the best. Yeah, you get it. You get it. <laughs> there is one more thing I wanted to mention. I kind of skipped over it, but I don't want to because it's very interesting. But I will warn, it's a little grosser. The the Hamulus, first when the, the female the male attaches. Part, right? right, yeah, that little under bit, the little secondary under bit that's on his abdomen. When she attaches, he will actually use his Hamulus to remove other males' materials. Ooh. <laughs> and then he puts his own there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But it's interesting. <laughs> is it gross? Perhaps. Perhaps. But, but it is quite interesting because they have lots of different little cool mechanisms. Very yes. unique. Very unique. <laughs> he hates it. <laughs> Let's move on to the life cycle. There is an incomplete metamorphosis for this species or family of dragonflies. That's eggs, nymph, and adult. No pupa stage. Okay, so they just go from egg to tiny dragonfly to big dragonfly. Kind of, yeah. So their nymph phase is not very dragonfly-like, to be frank with you, but it is just the one step instead of there being an additional step. Like the worm step kind of thing? Kind of, like the cocoon step. Oh, yes, yes. That would be a complete metamorphosis. But... Like I said, incomplete. So the female, like I mentioned earlier, will lay her eggs on plants. The way that she does this is by cutting into the plant stem with the the tip of her abdomen has like a special mechanism to do so. And then she will lay her eggs, like deposit them with her ovipositor into the plant. That's cool. And then that that probably adds an extra layer of like safety for for the eggs and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So she'll lay them on either like a plant stem that is like leading into the water or on like a little twig or something that's around. And like I mentioned, she'll kind of spread them out so that they're everywhere. Sounds good. Gotta yeah. be good at hiding your eggs. Indeed. Easter hunt. Yes. Okay. In reverse. Oh. Wait. <laughs> the Easter bunny part. That, that part. <laughs> yes, indeed. One step of an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> So the eggs will hatch after a few days to a few weeks, depending on the species. And then once they're hatched, the nymphs or naiads will crawl down from the plant stem into the water. And then they're nymphs. And then they just like live in the water for a while? For a very long time. So the nymphs will live in the water for two to three years. That Um, is a long while. Yes, quite some time. In the first three months... They're little, they're really small, so they can have some issues. They have to be really careful not to get eaten at that time just because there's other things in the water that could eat them. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. So nymphs are going to be a lot more slender than other families of dragonflies for the Ashnida, or these guys. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. For darners and hawkers, the nymphs are going to be a lot smaller, skinnier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the nymphs eat- You okay over there? (laughs) We're doing great. You're still with me. I'm here. Okay. I hear I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So the nymphs eat in the water. They eat other insects and small fish, tadpoles, and they also will cannibalize. We finally got to cannibalism. Yay. (laughs) Always with the cannibalism. Yeah. Insect world's crazy. So they will hide in vegetation in the water, and then they'll slowly sneak towards their prey, and then they strike Da-da. at them. 
Donna. Oh, I skipped so far ahead. Yeah, you did. Okay, okay. Donna, snatch. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's good enough. It worked. It worked. It worked. It's cool. It's good. So yeah, they strike really quick once they get in range. When they strike, they do something very interesting. Their biology as a nymph means that their bottom lip can like jut out. And then it can... Ugh. Does it make a noise like that? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> when it juts out, it clamps shut with the end of its lip that like is open. Ooch. And... Ew, God. <laughs> it, like sounds ex- it sounds exactly like that. And they clamp shut on the, the bug and then they pull it back in and they eat it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly, precisely. Goodness. So the nymphs molt several times to grow. They will actually molt 10 to 15 times. That's a lot, but not like a crazy amount, I guess. It seems like a lot to me. It is a lot, I think, compared to things. Could you imagine about. shedding the outside of your body 10 to 15 times? Uh I haven't done it once. Well, maybe maybe a sunburn counts. Okay, you do sunburn. I have probably been sunburned 10 to 15 times because I don't learn lessons. Right. But True. <laughs> that's about as close as I can get. Fair enough. Well, that sounds bad, yeah? It probably isn't bad for them, though. It's probably nice. It's bad for Freeing. me. Very, very painful for me. Does it hurt them? Probably not. I don't think so. I think it's like, you know when you're like, you feel very claustrophobic? It's probably like, Ugh. ah. Breaking out of that. No, but the, the claustrophobic part probably is not good. Okay, but let's not, let's not think about that. <laughs> so right after a molt, they are semi-opaque and like a white color and they're very squishy. That's actually true for all things that molt. Yeah. Yes. This, the squishy stage. We've talked right. about this. We have. But I don't know if I've gone into like what that really means. So they go through that rapid growth period right after that exoskeleton is shed before they can get a new exoskeleton. While they're still squishy, they do that really, really fast. Mm. And then once they're like their exoskeleton is hard again, they can't grow anymore until they ne- they molt next. And I don't know if I ever really got into the, the nitty gritty of that. No, it's true. I always thought that they started growing and then it got tight in their shell and then they bust out and they get a new one. But mm. it sounds like they're like, okay, time to get bigger now. Yes. And then let's leave this and then get, you know, like rent a new apartment or something. New, yeah, new yeah. new apartment skeleton. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the majority of their life is spent as a nymph. I did mention that two to three years. But once they've matured, they will climb out of the water. So they, they don't actually do their final molt into a dragonfly in the water. They will do most of their molting and then they'll be ready. And they're like, I'm going to be an adult now. And then they leave home and they climb up a little twig or plant of some sort. And then they do their final molt. Their final adult molt is done on that plant stem. It can take 12 hours from when the nymph breaches the water to like their first flight as an adult. So that's quite a long time. I don't, I wouldn't say so. Only 12 hours, like three years in the water and then 12 hours and you're flying boy. Like, sure. That's pretty quick, I would think. I guess that is pretty fast. That's like tomorrow morning you had wings and you were flying. That would be so awesome. <laughs> right? That's only 12 hours. Like, all you did was, like, you know, not much, probably. Probably <laughs> probably just sleep or something. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Well, you may, you have a good point. I'm not going to hate on them for their 12 hours. Yeah. So, after this 12-hour period and they do their first flight, they stay in a tenoral phase for about three weeks. That tenoral phase is that soft, squishy part. That's after their very last molt. They'll stay in it for three full weeks. During this time... They grow, 
they eat and they can fly, but it's pretty weak. They look a little wobbly, kind of like when a beetle flies. Yeah. Yeah. Like just a, not very like graceful. Like a school bus with wings, just not yes. graceful. <laughs> Precisely. Yes. And then after the tenoral is over, it's time to find a mate. And Yay. then they, they spend their entire adult lives mating and eating, and then they lay their eggs. And then, you know. Yeah, the good life. The good life. <laughs> and then in late October, they start to die off. Isn't that what we do also? Just longer version. Yeah, exactly. That's There's all mating life. and eating. It's everyone. It's all things. <laughs> all things mate and eat. Well, maybe not. There are some very specific species that are very different. Also, parthenogenesis, cloning. We've learned it. Clover mites. Don't eat your remember. clones. Probably not a good idea. Don't eat your clones. That's a bad... What? Okay. No, let's, let's try to throw you off. Yeah, you're talking about okay. reproduction via cloning. Correct, correct, correct. Anyways, so once they start to die off, the that, that signifies like the end of the mating season. And then they only live like a month to three months as an adult. So like that whole time that they're eating and they're mating and they're having a good time. That's all one to three months. Yeah, that's crazy. It's like... If you were just, same analogy, you're just you, your whole life. And then when you were 70, you got your wings for like a year. And then I was like, all right. All right, you're done. I was like, why do I have to wait so long for my wings? Yeah, that's so true. But they're so like cool when they're, they're adults, really cool. you know? It was a good three months. What's interesting is like, I feel like they're almost always around. Like mm -hmm. when I'm near the water, like it's not like only like one time a year that I personally remember but it could be that case you know but think about it how often are you around the water you're around the water when it's nice to be around the water oh oh my logic <laughs> <laughs> so when the adults start to die off the nymphs have already hatched and are already living in the water so like the cycle has already begun again circle of life <laughs> yes Indeed. Yes. So the life length in total for a dragonfly of this family is two to three years. Actually, I think that's true for all dragonflies. That is give or take a month or two, just depending on what the species, when they came out of nymph phase, and how long they were an adult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a good run. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not bad. Some insects don't last very long at all, so mm -hmm. I would say it's pretty good. Good job, dragonflies. <laughs> so they are pretty solitary, except when they're mating. As I mentioned before, they are pretty common. That is depending on the species, though. I did find several species that I came across that were either of special concern or full-on endangered. Hmm. Yeah, that's not something I would think is a case, but is it just because of, like, what they're looking for in the environment? So, yeah, sort of. So, so it's not so much about their, like, habitat being destroyed, but more so... Well, I guess I guess so. More more because they need very specific conditions in order to survive. They need stable oxygen levels and clean water. So oh, I relate. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so anything that doesn't have that in their environment is going to decline in numbers. Hmm. So are they dangerous? No. <laughs> they are not dangerous at all, not to us. I they knew have it. I had good feelings. You did. You did indeed. They don't carry any diseases. They don't sting. They don't bite. Well, they do bite. They can bite. If they're very threatened, they are unlikely to bite, but can. However, most species won't break the skin, so it'll be pretty ineffective. Mm. Which we like. Yeah. Heck yeah. Don't bite me. So what are their predators? What bites them? Mm. Birds, frogs, fishes. Basically, that's it. That makes sense just because, you know... 
ponds. Yeah, around water. Yeah, that is not to say that there aren't some mammals that will, you know, get an opportunity and take it, but those are their common predators. They do have their your typical insect environmental impact. They eat insects, so that's good. They're part of their ecosystem. They're also prey species, which means they're part of the circle of life. They're also an important indicator of climate health. That is because of their need for that stable oxygen level and the clean water to survive. People can use them as like a, like just a little indicator of how the environment is in the moment and like where we're going and how things are proceeding with the climate. Yeah, so if we see like number decline, that could be a bad sign or number increase maybe, or Could be positive, yeah. Could be positive. makes sense, makes sense because right now climate's not so good Dragonflies declining. Mm. Very logical. Yes. So some cool facts. I got some cool facts. Hey, today. we don't get these very often. Yeah, I mean we do, but these I have a lot today. I got, I got you covered on All cool right. facts. So Legend of Zelda, Breath I've of heard the Wild. Of it. <laughs> yes, we are big nerds here. That game, while amazing, also features three fictional darner species. Warm, cold, and electric. So while you're playing the game, you can run around the world and catch dragonflies. Those are darners in I've fiction. I've done this. Yes, me too. Yeah, done very cool. Quite a lot. What do you use the dragonflies for? It doesn't matter. It do- not, not for today's topic. <laughs> <laughs> They're also featured in a little game called Animal Crossing. Very popular. Never played it, but yeah. I also have not. Well, you but... do collect bugs in that game. Yes, darners are one of them. So there you go. In addition to those cool facts... The name Darner comes from the appearance of the female while she's laying the eggs. So she lays the eggs in the plants by cutting into them. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. The name came from them looking like a sewing needle while they're doing this. In like a vague way. But that's because there are sewing needles that are called Darners. They're a type of needle that's used for sewing furniture, yarn, and quilts. That's interesting. Yeah, almost. Not as good as the game one, but yeah, good. Correct, I've got more. <laughs> there is a dragonfly fossil that dates back to 300 million years ago, and it's visually like almost identical to the species that we have today, just a little bit larger. And you know, that's not to say that they were identical, that just means phenotypically or like visually, they were pretty similar. That's fascinating, yeah. Cool? I just love how everything was bigger back then. That just seems so cool to me. So cool and so terrifying. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One more cool fact. This one's a doozy. This is the last one you get. It's the only one. (laughs) I said one more. (laughs) So there is a theory that the name dragonfly comes from a Romanian folklore. The folklore states that the devil, yeah, that guy, turned a horse into a giant flying insect. Very cool. Yes, very cool. (laughs) Super cool. So it's stated that, that that insect was called devil's horse after that. Makes sense. Then peasants saw the insect and they thought, they thought, Huh. Flying fly. What? They saw what insect? The devil's horse. The giant flying insect that was a horse and now it's a devil's horse. Oh, they saw that? They saw it. They saw it. The peasants at the time in the lore. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They saw it and they thought, huh, a giant fly. So they started calling it devil fly. So the reason it's a dragonfly is because Romanian has the word for devil as drac. Unfortunately, drac also is dragon in Romanian. So when an English heard of it, they were like, ah, dragonfly instead of devilfly. Oh. 
I have a problem with the story. Okay. <laughs> well, it's lore, but let's hear it. <laughs> How could any people, even in a story, see a giant <laughs> horse with wings and be like, a fly? No, no, no. The horse <laughs> is turned into an insect. Oh, I was imagining like a horse like a bug Pegasus? hybrid. Oh, gosh. It's like disgusting and scaly with the... The, the clampy mouths and the wings. That's, that's and they're like, the stuff of oh, nightmares, A Matt. fly. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fly. Wait, horsefly. Oh, my. <laughs> that might also come from Romanian folklore. We'll tell you all about it when we get to the horsefly oh, episode. No. <laughs> Which won't be anytime soon because I really don't like them. Anyways, Matt, do you have any questions for me? No, I think you've you blown me away with this one. I think that I think I'm, I'm good over here. Huzzah. I've done it. Alas. <laughs> so let's take it out, I guess. So uh, thank you guys all so much for listening. We do have some places that you can go. If you want to see pictures of insects, specifically ones that we cover on our podcast, we do have our Instagram. That's just bugs podcast on Instagram. We actually do have um, a lot of different photos from macro photographers around the world there. So you can go and view those, support their photography, support our show. We love that. We also do have a Twitter where there's lots of, you know, bug-related tweets. So lots of retweeting, if you will. Um, the TikTok's pretty much not happening right now, but um, there are plans in the works <laughs> to get it back up and running. Um, if you need to talk to us for any reason, be that a um, insect species suggestion request suggestion, if you will, you can reach us at justbugspodcast at gmail.com. You can also just hit us up with cool bug stories. We want to hear them. Yeah, personal bug stories would be great. I love it. Let me know. I want to know about your bugs. It gives us ideas for new episodes, but it also is just like cool to hear. I yeah. love stories. Yeah, I got a few that I, I can't wait to crank out when we get to the right ones. Cool. I love it. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, yeah, so other than that, you know, rate, review, share us. Um, if you like our podcast, let somebody know. We want other people to hear it too, and I think that they will like it, even if they hate bugs a little bit. Yeah, this is a labor of love, so we do it just for funsies, and we just want to share it with people, so. Yeah, indeed. I want more people to love the bugs. Indeed. Or save the bugs! Save the bugs! Well, I mean, they're doing all right, but still. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you guys so much, and with, uh, with if there's nothing else we have to cover, anything else, Matt? No, we're good. All right, thank you guys so much for listening, and as always... Don't squish bugs. Don't squish bugs. Bum, bum, bum. Don't squish them. Yeah, don't do it, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye.